Hello and welcome to another edition of the Mexican Soccer Show. My name is Cesar Hernandez. I'm your host for today. And on the latest episode, we're going to discuss the recent Liga MX Clásicos, Mexico's upcoming national team friendly, Carlos Vela making history, and much, much more. But before we do that, let's start with the big question of the day. And here it is. How hyped should, should we be right now about Club America's Sebastian Cordova? Amy, thanks for joining me on today's pod for helping go through some of the latest Mexican soccer news. What's your, uh, I'm interested to hear your answer for the, for the big question about Sebastian Cordova. You know, I know that a lot of people have had certain feelings about him. Uh, you know, he, he is, he's kind of, he's kind of hot and cold, but I think right now he's very, very hot. The momentum is working in his favor. He was, definitely the hero if that without you know with uh without having another word to use he was definitely the hero this past weekend in the classical nacional and uh kind of perfect timing he's going to be part of the call-ups for the national team friendlies that we're going to talk about a little bit earlier so um to answer the question uh pretty pretty hyped i guess pretty hyped yeah i guess we should talk about it really quickly why like everybody's like getting really hyped about him because in case you missed the big news in the weekend he Absolutely killed it in the Glasgow Nacional. He got a couple goals. He actually could have potentially got a third. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he was voted, if I remember correctly, so from the official Liga Mekis website, they announced him as, as a Liga Mekis player of the weekend. You know, and this is a kid who recently got a call up to the Mexican national team. So it looks like something, maybe, I'm not saying that was a reason why he felt a little bit more inspired. I mean, you would think going up against a side like Chivas when you're a Medica player is enough inspiration that you really need. But it seemed like he was, I don't know, he really, really stepped up over the weekend. And now he's one of the one of the hotter topics right now in Mexican soccer. Yeah, I, I, we kind of touched on it on the Our Football Pod, um, especially with the lineups that were announced this past, uh, the Mexico lineups that were announced this past weekend. Uh, and just watch, I mean, just following America, they've had such an interesting um, journey, you know, this whole season, injuries and this and that. Oh, injuries, we're going to talk about that later. But, you know, there's there's been so much going on with them changing players and all that stuff that it kind of I was talking to Adriana about it it kind of seems like it's been working in Cordova's favor because at any other instance he probably wouldn't be getting the amount of minutes that he's getting but yet he's getting them he's taking advantage of them and even though sometimes it didn't always work out like in past jornadas now it is and I think that Clásico Nacional we saw this past weekend was in fact his you know he came out he scored he he was doing really well and I think that Hopefully, we get something good out of him with this friendly coming up. Yeah, if I remember correctly, I think Biojo earlier this season, uh, when he was trying to sign more players, he was complaining about the fact that he had to use some of his academy talent. And I think a lot of people, like, I saw some like some responses to social media be like, Wait, why is that a bad thing? Why are you, like, angry? I mean, I guess you could see why he'd be angry, because he wants to sign more players. So he's trying to convince people to, you know, to to have him sign those players. But I think it was... I think there are a lot of people on social media who are just like, that's actually a good thing <laughs> that America is going to be uh, providing more opportunities to this young talent because we've seen a lot of good young talent come out of Club America's system recently. And maybe Cordova could be that next uh, up-and-coming player. And I think he really showed his potential uh, over the weekend. But I guess let's let's start talking about that. So let's dive into the show. Let's start talking about uh, the Liga Mekis weekend, or I guess the Liga Mekis Classical weekend, because on Saturday night we had the Clásico Nacional and also Clásico Regio. Why there but, were two Clásicos on the same day is beyond me, but yes, there was two. And I only saw one of them, but I guess that's okay, because it seems like the first one was a little boring, but I guess we could talk about that later. But Amy, let's talk about uh, the second one, the night. So that was uh, America thrashing Chivas 4-1. to one. Um, Just your, your immediate thoughts on the match. You know, what comes to mind other than, I guess, maybe a, a certain injury? Um, I guess it kind of goes into that certain injury, but kind of just like... Yeah, they came and they, in a sense, got vengeance for that injury, but they yeah. just completely dominated that match. You know, they they came out and completely, like you said, they thrashed Tivas. And I was kind of going into this thinking, like, it could literally go either way. Because, I mean, we saw Chivas beat Tigres earlier this season, and that was a surprise. And I was like, something like that could possibly happen with America. America had just finished tying against Juarez. So I was, you know, I was hoping for... Uh, an America dominant win, but I was also prepared to see possibly Chivas just turn it around and, you know, just question mark, you know, kind of their performances that they've had recently. But uh, once Cordova scored that goal, it was just, you know, 
pure domination, pure um, controlling the Paul effectively and, you know, maintaining it and everything. And then once, yeah, once Gio got injured, the really bad injury, they, it kind of fueled them even more to, to, to really, you know, uh, win this match. Yeah, especially since because uh, Antonio Briseño, um, due to that foul on Gio, foul even seems like... Can I just say that, yeah. <laughs> is it yeah, just me, or was this just, like, the aftermath of this entire injury just felt slightly more dramatic than it had to be? I think I think there was, it was like that, and then people analyzing... Uh, what is it? The what is it? Ochoa is like spitting. <laughs> Just like people were like fuming. In my mind, it's like it's like everybody calling. It's Saturday night. Go have a beer. Go hang out with your friends. It's like it's like ten o'clock. What are we all still doing on Twitter right now, yelling at each other? <laughs> no, but it felt like it, it felt really dramatic. And I'm not saying that it wasn't warranted because when I saw that, I thought that was bone. Like, yeah, me what, too. I don't know oh what my. rating we have for this podcast, so I apologize for the people listening. But I literally thought it was bone. Like, we're all watching it at home. Like, we got up. Like, we got up and, like, covered our mouths. We're like, oh, my God, that is terrible. Like, that's just terrible. But thankfully for anybody that doesn't know, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a, a, a lesion or anything. It's just a really bad tear that needs to be surgically entered, you know. Um, uh, what's the word? Inter, inter, intervene. Like, they had to intervene surgically and stuff. So it, it wasn't as bad as we all thought. He's only going to be out for six weeks. But it still looked really bad. I mean, that looked awful it really did look pretty bad to me but i guess i mean we have to talk about because that was one of the bigger talking points from the weekend was that injury and do we think that it was i don't know uh intentional let's just say it was was, look and that's why i think it, it became more dramatic than it had to be because like him coming out with like an apology video as if he'd just been canceled by Twitter. I was like, okay, guys, <laughs> yeah, right? yeah. we've taken this a bit too far. Now, do I think it was intentional? No. But for anybody that plays soccer, or you don't have to play soccer, I guess, to know this, but says, how do you play soccer? I play soccer. I come out of most games with bruises. Um, you know, it's about like how you go into the play both as an attacker and as a defender, right? And I feel like, no, it wasn't completely intentional, but he was cleats up, you know, he was studs up, and he's going incredibly fast. There's no point in that entire play that he doesn't slow down his run. And that's the part where I'm like, I don't know, you have a, you you don't have that much time, you don't, but you do have that slight millisecond, if you will, to just be like, oh God, I missed the ball. Like I need to like slow it down. For you not to rip open a person's thigh. So I don't know. I'm not going to say. I don't think it was intentional. I'm not going to go on the boat of saying that it's completely intentional. But it might have been able to be prevented. Yeah. I'm not going to say it was. uh, I'm not going to say it was intentional either. Uh, And I think everybody is like. I think they're also freaking out too. Because it's Boyo Briseño. And like I think. uh, Like since he showed up to Chivas. Like one thing that kind of defines him is like. He'll have like a great tackle and then he'll celebrate it. And people will be like, yeah, look at this guy bringing this energy. Look at this guy who's just like excited and thrilled about just like having these tackles, these clearances. And then, and then that life guy, comes at you fast. Yeah. And then that just <laughs> happens to be the guy who tears apart Geo. So I think that that kind of like led into a lot of that frustration, too. But I mean, I mean, credit to to Brissandra for, for, for releasing that video. He didn't have but to do that. He didn't have to. That's the thing. He didn't have to do that. Like it. Yeah. Like I was, I try. I couldn't watch the whole thing. It's not that long either. But I was just like, why are we to this point that a player feels the need to go on social media and post an apology video about a tackle? Like I, like if you did, if if like if you didn't know what happened like the night before, and you just saw the video, you're like, oh god, what did he say on Twitter? Like yes. what did he put? Like what? Yeah, did, what kind of? Exactly. Like, is this is this another like Wario like Van City thing? Like what, what what's <laughs> like, happening right here? Did they here? find old tweets from Briseño and now he has to come out <laughs> and apologize? Yeah, but but anyway, I guess I guess uh, the good news is though that like is that Gio's only out for six weeks, so it's, yeah. it's, so it's good he's out. And it was cool to see it, like I know like he had the little photo of him like with his thumbs up, like kind of like showing that he's doing all right. Um, I guess what it, I guess. Uh, I guess we don't have to talk too much about the Ochoa situation, uh, but Adriana from from our parish, from uh, from our Mexican soccer show group, she did say that Getty has an image. Uh, Getty images has a, like an image of like Ochoa spitting, and she did also point out that in theory it should be a six game suspension, but I don't know that turned into like 
that also got really weird too with people showing like what they believed were like edited photos and then just like it was weird like screen grabs and videos like that got really strange as well yeah okay it's like like you said like guys what are we doing it's saturday night like we need to just calm it down a little bit Um, but before we, we go away from Briseño, it did come out just right now that he was suspended for four matches. So two. Oh, they just the- announced it? Okay, cool. Yeah, they just announced it. I was looking at my phone like five, sec- like five seconds ago. So it's two for the injury, apparently, and then two for the red card that he was given. So he gets- I think- Is that yeah. fair? I think it's I fair. Think so. Yeah. I don't think it's bad. I think there were some people that are saying like he should be suspended for the rest of the season or whatever. I was like, guys, like, yeah, it happens sometimes. Um, but. I guess really quickly now, and I'm going to cut you off because I think, I think what is going to be interesting though is that what if so like I just mentioned, so Ochoa if he like if they do follow through the league rules and the league does deem that he did spit, what if he's given that six game suspension and then Briseño only has a four game suspension? I think yeah. a lot of people would be pretty angry about that. Yeah, and going off of that, again, I I don't know. that We live in an age where, yeah, like you're saying, it's like screen grabbed and photoshopped and what have you. But if I if I saw correctly, um, somebody did reply back to a media personality that was saying that they were photoshopped. And he was like, no, actually, here's the trajectory of my shots. And it shows, like, Ochoa spitting. But even his trajectory video, it kind of looked like, for me anyway, um, take make of it what you will if you can find it on Twitter where it, it almost showed like he was yelling because he was so mad. I mean, Ochoa ran from his own goal box because of how bad the injury was. Like, that's how mad he was. So it looked like he was yelling, and he was yelling in frustration so badly that he spit. And, I mean, Ochoa himself even tweeted out, like, I didn't spit on him. But, of course, yeah. what is he going to tweet out? I did spit on him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but, I, yeah, it, I mean, the league's going to decide what they want, but I'm pretty sure they're not going to give him six games. That wouldn't yeah. make any sense. Yeah, that would, I, I think it would it'd be a bad, like, I think it'd be a very bad look in the league if they do give him more, let's say, if they do give him more than four game suspension, I think that'd look kind of bad after what happened with but the Senio, you know. But then does he warrant four games? Like, does he warrant the same amount of games suspended as someone who literally ripped no I, w- I would say i would say if they do i would say that would be a, a one game suspension is what i would say if, if if they do think it was a spit but i don't i don't know i don't know right. we're just here to talk about it <laughs> i know right yeah <laughs> all right hey, let's uh let's look over the earlier classico the classical regio uh hit two second half goals from tigres uh secured a two nothing away win over monterrey uh, I think first question I have to ask, just because everybody kept posting it, and because I only saw highlights and didn't get a chance to see the game, but was it boring? Was it a dull match? That's what I, everyone keeps saying online. Yeah, I, I've, I, I've only seen highlights, but like, yeah, my dad and I, my dad and I, um, you know, got cozy and started watching that match before the, you know, before the America Chivas game came on. And I, yeah, I will say the the first half it was like eh like there were moments but then there wasn't that happening and of course everybody's focus was Janak hadn't scored in a while and stuff and it wasn't until yeah basically they started they finally started scoring in the 69th minute and Janak finally got his own goal and you know got rid of his drought that it got sort of interesting but you also this like this, the way that this game happened, I was also expecting the America game to happen, the America Chivas game to happen, right? Like you go, you yeah. both both classicals were kind of lacking luster because neither neither one of the teams is doing that great. Monterrey just got rid of their coach, um, and Tigres isn't you know the team that they are in the Liguilla, but they kind of end up being this team in the regular season. So you kind of were the first half was a perfect example of that. It it lacked certain excitement. It wasn't amazing. But Tigres still got the win. And I think that has more to say about the way that Monterrey has been doing than about, like, Tigres asserting, like, major dominance. But, I mean, Jeanette got his goal, so that that matters, too. I mean, I think uh, Monterrey, like, ownership would probably agree with you because after the match, uh, they dropped uh, Diego Alonso, uh, the manager of the, squ- of the squad. So that's that was a sixth loss so far this season, which isn't that bad, when you consider, you know, the rest of the league and you consider that they're still in the playoff race. But I think I do, I, I don't know, I, I guess it's not that ludicrous when you do consider that they have one of the most powerful rosters and squads in all of North America. So I think it's fair for, for them to to want a little bit more. So, of course, the next question, 
you know, that everybody is asking is like, who is the next Monterrey manager going to be? Is it going to be Matias Almeida? Is it going to be Hugo Sanchez? Is it going to be the return of Turco Mohamed? So I, it, it is interesting to see what happens with this squad because, yeah, they're, they're only in 12th place. You know, they're still definitely in the playoff race. They still have 16 points, uh, a little past the halfway uh, point of the regular season. So that's not terrible, but when you consider a squad like Rayados, like you expect them to be easily within the top eight. And I think on paper, you, you'd expect a side like theirs to be in the top four right now. So I, I, I can understand why, why they did drop uh, Alonso uh, from, from Monterrey. Yeah, and plus you see the, I mean, not to demean them in any sense, to, so to speak, but you would see how excited they would get for games that, for Monterrey side, you would think they dominate. You know, you get yeah. these, clo- these close victories that the, Diego Alonso would, like, grasp onto, the team would grasp onto, and you almost thought, no, you're better than this. this these aren't the games that you're supposed to be, like, getting excited about the fact that you're, supposed, that you're winning. You're supposed to win these matches. Um, so yeah, I think the Tigres, like I said, I think the Tigres, the match against Tigres was a kind of so, uh, solidification of just saying like you guys aren't doing great. They got rid of Diego Alonso. I don't think Almeida's coming back. I don't think so at all. I think he's yes. very comfy in San Jose right now. I think he what he's done in San Jose is very very exciting to watch as someone who lives in Southern California and deals with those you know California rivalries, but. I don't think I don't think that I don't think it's him. I, I think people need to relax a little bit. I don't think he's coming back. If I'm I saw, wrong, then I'm wrong. But I've, I've seen a, like various different tweets from people online, like Monterey fans, who are saying that they're now Portland Timbers fans because if the Portland Timbers beat San Jose, then then they're basically not through to the playoffs, right? So I feel like I think there are like a lot of Monterey fans who who are if you if you want Matias Almeida to actually maybe like be a little bit of an option. Then if uh, if Portland beats San Jose, that's a that makes things a little bit more easier. I'm not saying he, that that's what would happen is if you were to lose, and they don't make the playoffs, he'd join Rayados. But that would definitely wow. Make- Are Liam X fans going to start actually watching the uh, MLS games? Wow. There's there's more over there's plenty of overlap <laughs> between MLS and League because it's just it's just some of the louder voices on Twitter sometimes make you think <laughs> otherwise. Uh, uh, so Amy, I think. I think we gotta talk about last night's Veracruz match. Oh my god, it was that was uh, it like so. I wasn't really like paying that much attention to, to the Veracruz, the, like the Luca game. I was like, ah, we'll see what happens. I don't know. I was just like, I was like, sometimes like by the by like Sunday night, I'm kind of like soccered out, and I was like, you know what? Like I I'm kind of like we'll, we'll see what happens. Like the final League of Mexico game of the weekend. And then I was checking my phone. And I was like, oh, dude, like Veracruz scored. It was like the 73rd minute. I was like, all right, I got to start watching now. I got to see what's happening here because if Veracruz would have won, that that would have been their first Liga Mekis win in over a year. Goalkeeper Sebastian Jurado, who's played 2,700 plus minutes with the team, he's never gotten a single Liga Mekis win. <laughs> he was, I think he was even wasting time in the 92nd minute when they still had the one nothing lead. And then the 94th minute, they allow an equalizer, and <laughs> Veracruz, the 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 winless the winless streak continues. I've honestly lost track. I think it's at thirty something now. I think it's thirty six. I think it's thirty six, thirty seven. It's just I I've I've lost track. I've just I don't know. It's just crazy. Once I go back to Colorado, it's just this is a promising young Mexican keeper. He made his de- league debut in November 2018, played over 2,700 minutes, and he's yet to take part in a single Liga Mekis win. So that and he was... was... The poor guy was just, like, so, like, beaten up. Like, they blew the yeah. final whistle, and he's just on the floor. Like, there was nothing he could do about that goal, though. I will say that for to what yeah. I was... Like, there's nothing he can do about that shot. Like, that's such a good goal, but then you think of like the fact that Veracruz still yes. hasn't won a game. I was the exact same boat. Um, I think we were. I think actually the LA Galaxy, uh, the LAFC game had just finished, or like the matches for LA Galaxy, LAFC had just finished. And I was like, "Hey mom, can you put it on the Veracruz game?" Because I heard they're they're winning. And you know, my mom, my mom knows about soccer, but she doesn't know that much. And she's like, "Why are you watching this game?" And I was like, oh, "No, no, no." <laughs> I'm like, "No, you don't understand, mom. They haven't won in like a year. Like this is a huge deal." And then it was like the 90th minute, and then they added six minutes of extra time, and I oh, was like, yeah. "Oh no!" I yeah. was like, "No, like, like no, something's gonna happen. Like something is gonna happen." 
And they scored, and I started laughing, and she didn't get what I was laughing. And I was like, well. I mean, one of the Thuliana commentators, like, started <laughs> laughing, started too. They were just, like, just like, oh, my. Because, like, like you said, once you saw that they added six minutes, you're like, nah, it's not going to happen, is it? No, no I totally it's, thought it's, it was going <laughs> <laughs> I was like, nope, this is it. All right, so going through some of the other Liga Mike's results. Uh, so Santos lost 2-0, but they remain at the top of the table. Uh, Nakaxa's uh, point earned in the 0-0 draw against Juarez. That's uh, that's enough to keep them at second place. Um, so Puebla, after stunning Tigres in the midweek, they got a 2-1 win over Leon. So Puebla, out of nowhere, get those wins. I don't think they'll make the playoffs. So that's still uh, some decent results right there. Uh, Queretaro's beginning to slow down a little bit. They stumbled to another loss, uh, this time to Atlas, their 2-0 defeat. Uh, there's a pretty entertaining game between Pachuca and Cruz Azul that ended at a 2-0 win for Pachuca. Uh, and then Cholos got a 3-2 win over San Luis, but nobody could watch it because uh, San Luis games are not televised in the U.S. But uh, Amy, for you, any other any other highlights uh, from these games or anything else that stood out to you this Liga Mekis weekend before before we move on to the Mexican national team? No, I just really loved your passive-aggressive tweets this weekend about Cholos not being able to be streamed in the U.S. That was <sighs> fun. It's, it was a little... <laughs> I, like, I, I was like... I was like... I don't know. I like kind of like... I, like every Cholos game, just because they... Because they're close by, like there are a lot of like local, like uh, like followers over here in the San Diego Tijuana region. So like I like to like you know tweet out about every game or try to attend every home game and just report on every match. So it's a little frustrating when you're not able to watch one of their games, especially when, especially when they score three goals in less than 15 minutes. I'm like, cool. I'm not seeing any. Wish of this. I could watch it. Wish I can see how they're doing. But uh, but yeah. But I guess that's not Sholos's fault though. That's uh, that's uh, Sun Luis for not having a. Having a, I don't know, maybe they could like post it on like, on, they gotta have like, I don't know, like. Well, a, welcome to the Liam X Fem world where we, we yeah. watch about a third of the matches, but we have uh, friends that provide a stream, so that's always a fun. Yeah, exactly. You need yeah. to find yourself a friend that could give you a stream whenever they don't show the show as matches. Maybe I just need more friends, Amy. Maybe that's just that's just what I need in life. Just more. Moving friends. on to the next. <laughs> <episode>. <laughs> uh, moving on to the uh, the Mexican national team, Amy. Let's get ready for the friendly this Wednesday against Trinidad and Tobago. Are you hyped? How, uh, actually, honestly, how how excited are you for? You know for what? The I wasn't. I was like, I I think at the end I talked about this a little bit. Like the fatigue kind of kicked in. I was like, are we gonna have another game? Like seriously? Like really? Are you serious? But. I do like the fact that, I mean, we had just started the show with this. You know, you're going to have Cordova have a chance. You might have Jurado get a chance to, you know, win a game finally. Um, you know, and of course, for me, I think the huge the huge talking point is JJ Macias, you know, finally being able to be seen, like, I guess you want to call it the senior level team and have a chance to maybe um, really show off his talent against the you know, Tobago. So, I mean, there, there's those narratives, you know, I mean, we know this. You create, nar- you don't create them, but narratives kind of come about where you know these games can be interesting for what they are yeah and i'm actually i yeah i'm it, it's, it's kind of difficult to focus in on just this match because it felt like so much is always going on in the mexican soccer world that yeah. sometimes you only really do start to get excited about things when it's like two days away you know when it's like a day away just because now that the classicals are over with and maybe once some of the champions league games like are over with then we'll be able to focus in on these games but yeah obviously none of the the big superstars are on the squad but obviously it seems like that that's on purpose because Tata's focusing on some of the younger players uh for the national team who have been taking part in some mini camps uh it's clearly this is i think this is all almost like a preparation for the olympics you know next year and he's giving a break to the Euro Bales, uh you know in this uh upcoming uh, months. So I think that what we're going to be seeing, at least going forward, is so some of these better players from the younger squad are probably be mixed in with some of the more experienced domestic options. And that'll be the roster um, that makes up uh, the CONCACAF Nations League squad uh, for the October-November uh, matches. But but yeah, like you said, I'm excited to see players like Macias. I'm excited to see Jonathan Gonzalez, um, uh, Jose Ivan Rodriguez, uh, Jurado, Artiaga, Loronia, uh, you know, Jairo Torres. I think that Eric Aguirre. I think there's a lot of interesting players uh, in this roster. A lot of fullbacks, actually. I think that's like, I think like eight, like seven or eight of these players are fullbacks. But I'm really excited to see the next generation of talent for L3 because a lot of these guys are basically being prepped for the Olympics next year. Yeah. And I mean, I think um, 
it's just kind of, I mean, this happened, you know, this kind of transitional period is going to happen right away for this, you know, these group of players. No, but I, I, I just like you're saying, I'm re- I really am excited to see, okay, not all of these players are going to be um, making up the nation's league team, but it's, you know, you're going to be able to see the players that you think are really good. And then maybe a player that will surprise you. And you're like, okay, I could see how that player could fit in maybe two, three years with the, you know, with the more senior squad. And yeah, that's always an exciting portion about seeing the younger players actually get competitive minutes. So to speak. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that when you consider the amount of games that the Mexican national team has to play every single year, now, I've mentioned it beforehand, but it's almost like a club team at times, the amount of games and competitions that they have to take part in, like year after year. I think that there's nothing wrong with giving, you know, someone like Chicharito, Raul Jimenez, you know, you know, you know, Chucky. I think there's nothing wrong with giving those players a break, especially when you consider the upcoming opposition, the Nations League, because I think a mixture of domestic talent and by domestic talent, I mean, let's say someone like a Miguel Layun or Fernando Navarro, like bring those guys in that, like, I don't know, maybe someone even like, uh, I don't know, maybe, I was going to say, yeah, there you go. Oh yeah. Like Gallardo mix those guys in with some of the younger, with some of the younger guys. And I think they could easily get wins over Bermuda and Panama and the, and the nation's league competition. I don't think you necessarily need, you know, Chucky or Linus out there in these upcoming games in October, November. So I'm actually pretty excited to see some of these options and just to just to see the depth of the national team as well, too. It's always good to see what other options can provide uh, for, for all three. Yeah, just like you said, you create a confidence for these players to, yeah, okay, it's not. I mean, I think a perfect example of that maybe in the sense, I'm, I might be stretching this a bit, correct me if I'm wrong, but kind of Antuna, right? He was yeah. he started off with with Galaxy. It wasn't necessarily part of the Gold Cup squad, but then you saw him utilizing his chances against Cuba or you know against other teams in the Gold Cup, and then he's doing really well. And I and he might not be necessarily a starter when you come up to the bigger European teams, but you know those kind of games give that kind of player confidence, and that's exactly what these kind of games for these young players can do: give them confidence, add to the depth that you were just talking about, and then hopefully give you a much more holistic team. That if they're missing X player, you know this player, that player, it's not necessarily a bad thing. Yeah. So once again, that'll be this Wednesday. It'll be Mexico versus Trinidad and Tobago, and the game's gonna be in Toluca too, which is really cool to see. Like any Mexican national team game, outside. not only it. Yeah, not only outside the United States and outside of Mexico City. You know, like that's that's it's not it's not often do you see Mexican national team games outside the United States and outside of Mexico City. You know, I mean home games, I guess what I should say, but whatever, you know what I mean. Yeah. But uh, let's see, let's move on. Uh, yeah. So regarding uh, the Mexican national team, regarding up and coming talent for the Mexican national team, one thing that was really interesting, which I was completely unaware of until our very own uh, T-Bone, a.k.a. Tom Marshall. Uh, he tweeted out earlier today. Why does at... Tom get a cool nickname? What, what do you want your nickname? Actually, that, that nickname was given to him uh, by a, his pro club team on FIFA. They called him uh, T-Bone. T-Bone. I, I don't know if Tom introduced himself as T-Bone or if they gave him the T-Bone nickname. <laughs> T-Bone, or for some reason, I, I pictured, like, you know how Michael Scott puts on that, uh, that like, a... Uh... What is it called? Like that headband thing, and he's like a criminal and stuff. Like I pictured. Oh, pr- a prison Mike. <laughs> prison Mike. <laughs> That's what I pictured right now. I'm oh, sorry, Tom. Don't get mad at me. <laughs> uh, prison um, Tom. <laughs> prison Tom. Are we changing his nickname to Prison Tom now? No, he could still be T Bone, but he's. Oh, he's a Prison Tom. <laughs> Anywho, uh, back to so Tom tweeted out. Uh, L3 has concluded a four-day camp in California, brought together 18 dual national players born in 2004. And then in quotes, I assume this is from a press release uh, from L3, it said, the objective of these camps is identify the best Mexican-American players uh, in order to monitor them and continue to nourish and strengthen the different Mexican national teams. I personally think this is a big deal. Maybe I think this is a big deal because I chatted with Jonathan Gonzalez recently, uh, handful of our colleagues also chatted with Jonathan Gonzalez recently, and he opened up why he thought it was a better decision to switch over to L3 from the U.S. men's national team. We've also seen comments from Efrain Alvarez uh, about, you know, why he switched over to L3 after um, his experience at U.S. youth national team scene. So it seems like this is a 
big step in the right direction for Mexican soccer. Yeah, also there's two things that stick out to me. Um, the fact that I was not invited to this. I know I'm not great at finishing, but, you know, it's it's fine. And then also the fact that they were born in 2004. That always kind of trips me out. But, okay, stop. Joking aside, yes, this is absolutely a huge deal. And it kind of puts Mexico in a much higher position given, you know, I, I don't say disaster, but given this kind of weird state that U.S. soccer is in. Like, you... You have Jonathan Gonzalez, obviously one of the hugest stories last year. You have Efrain, you know, publicly stating there was, you know, there was things that I just didn't agree with that kind of convinced me. And then you have them making a point to come visit um, and hold these mini camps. Like, yeah, it's a big deal. And it'll hopefully, I mean, you and I were never going to be like professional soccer players. Like, sorry, right on your parade or anything. Right. But it was I learned that when I was like 13. But yeah, yeah. Yeah, but one of the things that I, I thought about a lot are, like, my whole family played soccer, right? All of us. My, I have three brothers, and myself included, we all played soccer. And one of the discussions that we would have, even if it wasn't that big of a deal, was, like, if, if this team called you or that team called you, who would you pick, right? And we always said, like, no questions asked. We'd go play for Mexico or we'd want to play for Mexico. And, you know, for my parents, it was more like, well, whoever calls you, I mean, you're going to play professional, so that'll be a huge deal. Um. And so, but our understanding of it at the time was, well, you have to go to Mexico to be able to play for Mexico because we're in the U.S. and that's just not how it's going to work. So I don't know, something like this gives those kids that are kind of like how we were when we were younger, like, oh, I don't have to go to Mexico to play for me. Mexico will come to me, like, hopefully. And that is a huge deal for these young kids. Yeah, no, I mean, I I feel the same exact way. I mean, I've always like, it's, it's a conversation I consistently have with other mexican national team fans you know i've always said that like i don't know i'm i'm very very americanized in a lot of ways you know if you get a chance to know me you, you definitely see that i'm a very americanized uh, especially in comparison to my parents but never like if, if i was good enough i mean obviously it's easier said than done when i wasn't obviously good enough i was i was barely good enough to play varsity soccer let's just say that in high school so <laughs> that was never exactly an, an excellent player but if i I imagine that if I had an opportunity to play for a national team, I would would not think twice about joining Mexico. That would be one of the easier decisions that I, I think that I, that I that I would have made. You know, that that's just and I, once again, that's easier said than done because I didn't obviously get a chance to live through that. Maybe if I was good enough, maybe if I was if I would have gone through ODP, maybe I would have gotten some attention for the U.S. youth national team. But a very young American assessor would have felt a little odd about yeah. that i would have felt and, a little strange about that. there would have been something in, in my inner core that would feel like this isn't something i should be doing and <laughs> you i know? think that that's i mean that's i guess that's more of a discussion about u.s soccer than it was about mexican soccer so to speak but it is i think stuff like this is kind of showing like we want to integrate you you're part of us and we yes. want you to be a part of us where time and or maybe not time and time again because there are players that we've seen historically that could have chosen either or and they go off to the u.s for their own reasons but there there feels like in recent times there is this alienation of of you know of dual nationals from the u.s side and and that's a huge that's a huge problem for them i guess in a way you know it's not so much for mexico but this doing this is like yeah hey guys we're here and we totally want to pay attention to you yeah, and it's it's pretty exciting. I think it's a very very important move. It'll be uh, what, what I think is fascinating is down the line, if we hear of any of these players, because I think it was they released the list and some people were tweeting out the list. It looks like it was eighteen players. So it'd be interesting to see if any of these eighteen players end up becoming um, important players uh, in the Mexican soccer world going forward. So something to keep an eye on right there. Will this still be around when Ollie turns fifteen? If he ever gets around to wanting to play actually no actually no i think uh, technically ollie is a a u.s born third generation so i don't know we'll figure out the paperwork later yeah you'll figure figure out the paperwork later yeah don't worry we'll be we'll be we'll be talking about him in the podcast and and notes i guess we were already talking about him so (laughs) all right uh let's uh, let's close things out i think we have about like uh like five to ten minutes left here in the pod so let's talk about the mexicans abroad uh, really quickly, uh, go through some upcoming Champions League and Europa League games for the Mexicans abroad. So with the Champions League, we got uh, uh, Hector Herrera and Atleti Madrid taking on Locomotive Moscow on Tuesday. On Wednesday, we have Napoli and Irving Lozano uh, taking on Genk. Uh, and also on Wednesday, we have Ajax and Edson Alvarez taking on Valencia. 
Um, looking over towards the Europa League, all the games, of course, are on Thursday. Um, we've got Porto and Tecatito taking on Feyenoord, although keep an eye on Tecatito because he left the last match, a Porto match, with an injury. So we'll see what his status is for that game. Um, Wolves and Raul Jimenez will take on Besiktas. Sevilla and Chicharito will be taking on Apoel Nicosia. Uh, and then we've got PSV and Eric Gutierrez taking on Rosenberg. I mean, obviously, Amy, the Champions League ones are oh, tend to be the more exciting matches. But what what Champions League game or Europa League game are you are you most excited for for the Mexicans abroad? Oh, Mexicans abroad. Oh, sorry, I was about to answer Arsenal versus Standard Liege on Thursday <laughs> for the Mexicans. An Ochoa list. Standard Liege. Yeah, a once upon a time in another world, Ochoa would be facing Arsenal. Uh, I'm going to go with Wolves because the Wolves and Europa League, I hope that they go back to the right foot. I mean, I was just writing about this for the Mexicans Broad article for Footmax Nation. Um, they're on the right foot right now. You know, they they beat Reading in, in the PK shootout and then they finally got their first win in the EPL. Um, Raul uh, didn't play that game against Reading, but then he came out and I think, you know, helped the team. He didn't score, but I think he helped the team kind of get their momentum and their dominance against Watford. And so I hope that they go into that, um, get that momentum from that game and go into this, hopefully trying to get a win and him hopefully getting a goal. I think that they need to go ahead and start trying to be the Wolves that they were last season. They really need that. And then, of course, hopefully... You know, Herrera gets more minutes in Champions yeah. League. I know he's not going to score every time, but just to give him more minutes would be huge. Yeah, that's what I mean. I think that's what I'm keeping on. As I, I want, I want minutes because uh, well, not for me because guess what? I'm not playing Champions League soccer. Uh, I mean, like I want minutes for the Mexicans abroad because yeah, I mean it's kind of a tangent here, but I mean the next thing I was going to talk really quickly was that I mean other than a goal for Eric Gutierrez for PSV. It was actually one of the more quiet weekends for the Mexicans abroad because Tecatito was injured, obviously, so he ended up coming off a little early. There was no minutes for Chicharito. Uh, there was no, no minutes, minutes for, for, Guardado. Chu- for Guardado, no minutes for Chucky, no minutes for Herrera. Edson Alvarez was on the bench for Ajax. Uh, you know, Jimenez, I know he he got the start. He didn't, he didn't score or get an assist for Wolves. Uh, Linus only got 11 minutes. So it was actually like a very, very quiet weekend. So you do hope that and even Eric Gutierrez, even even though he got that goal, he stepped on as a sub for PSV. So I think what I'm keeping my fingers crossed for, maybe, I mean, obviously each player has their own separate situation uh, going on with each team, but maybe they're being given a little bit of a break in preparation for these matches. So yeah, I'm just keeping my fingers crossed that we see some more minutes for those uh, a lot of those Mexicans abroad in these Champions League and Europa League games. Yeah, I don't think I saw that many, but I did see a few like, oh, Chucky didn't start, like time to panic. I don't think so. I think, yeah, I think it was just let's keep him, you know, kind of rested for this Champions League match. And then hopefully he comes out and plays strong like we've been seeing with him with Napoli. Obviously, the coach is happy with him. He's giving them what he they want. So I, I, I didn't see that as a point of like worry. I just kind of wanted to touch on it because I think he will do. Um, something against Gang in Champions League. And then same, I mean, for Edson, we've seen that whole debacle going on between um, not performing, but then he scores. So I, I don't know, hopefully it works out for him too. But the main matches for me, yeah, would be the Atletico Locomotive game and then Wolves versus Vesticas. Yeah, and I also saw that, like, yeah, I think Carlo Ancelotti, apparently, I saw this video uh, earlier this season saying that, like, he likes to rotate his players. Maybe that's maybe that's just what's just happening right there with Shuki. But... But uh, Amy, to close things out, we've got a few minutes left. Uh, let's talk about Carlos Vela making history. Let's talk about the MLS playoff race. It's uh, I'll, I'll leave it up to you to to inform us about uh, the playoff race for the marquee Mexican national team players and what Vela has been doing at the LAFC. Yeah, I mean, uh, Cesar just said that you know there's been kind of quiet for the Mexicans in Europe, but I I. Yes, I have a certain preference because I live in L.A. and these club teams are here in my city. But it's actually very exciting to see so many Mexican players, you know, having this chance, having these opportunities to play well um, in the league. Make of it, make the league of it what you will. But, um, I mean, we can just start off with Vela. Like, let's start with Vela. His team, you know, their game, their win against Houston on Wednesday got them the supporter shield. You can have your debates about what the supporter shield means because at the end of the day, getting the MLS Cup final is what matters the most. But to be the best league in the regular season and to have Vela be the star of that team is a huge deal, I think, for 
for him, who a lot of people have openly, blatantly continued to criticize his move to LAFC. And I think that them getting that was huge. I think that that's it. I think that the, I, I don't see any, I, I'm hoping that the debate ends, that he uh, made the wrong choice in coming here because he, for himself, he made it and it's working out just well for him. And then this weekend against Minnesota, he tied the record that Justin Martinez had for Atlanta United with 31 goals. So he's literally, he has one game left. I don't see how he doesn't score against Colorado, who hasn't been that great this season and essentially breaks the record. So he'll have the record, he'll have supporter shield, and he already broke the record for most combined goals and assists. So, I mean, I don't know, Cesar, for you, what do you think about Vela this season? I mean, I, I mean, there's just so much to be said there other than just in a few minutes, you know, uh, I think that in, in a situation like Vela's, I think, and I mentioned beforehand, I think it was going to be a lose-lose when it comes to a certain perspectives uh, for, for Vela. Because whether if Vela did terribly, everybody would say it's just like, oh, he's just like Gio. He just went out there to have fun. He just went out there to make some money. And then if Vela did extremely well, like he is doing right now, and the best player so far this MLS season, although some people would immediately say, no, it's Laton, but that's a different conversation. But I think now that even if he were to do well, like he's doing right now, people say like, oh, what could have been, you know, this guy, you know, he had some interest from Barcelona. He should be playing in Spain. He should be playing for the Mexican national team. So I think it's it's, it's a lose-lose situation for, for certain fans. For, I think, certain Mexican national fans who are still bitter, maybe justifiably bitter because they... They wanted so much more from him. They wanted him to be a key player for the Mexican national team. They wanted him to still be playing in Spain, maybe even still to an extent be playing in with Arsenal, you know, <laughs> you know, back when he first initially moved there. But the thing is, is I, I think one thing that we can't get away from is that it's clear that he's very happy, you know? Yeah. And, I, and I think that's something we have to recognize. I mean, the guy's completely loving it out there in Los Angeles. And I think that one thing that you can't that you can't criticize him for is his effort. Because clearly he's taking it very seriously. Uh, in Major League Soccer, and I think even his—I mean, I, I don't—I don't watch LAFC week in week out. I do try to catch as many games as I can. But I think one thing that kind of impresses me about Bella, then let's say as opposed to like let's say Zlatan, I think Zlatan, and maybe that's just Zlatan being Zlatan. But I think Zlatan—it's clear that someone like Zlatan, for him, I think it would be more important to let's say get that that goal scoring record. I think Zlatan definitely. My guess is that he he's watching a little bit out for himself a little bit more than the rest of his teammates. And I feel like Vela, I think for him, it's just the product of him connecting with his players, the, the product of him connecting with the rest of his starting 11. That's just where the goals are coming from. I don't think Vela is is just a guy out there who's looking to steal some steal the spotlight away and like steal the attention and score a bunch of goals. No, I think that he's clearly someone who's really invested in LAFC. I mean, you can see that he's, I think one thing that people forget about too, is that he's also one of the top, he, I think he's number, what, he's number three, four, five. I forget where he's at in the assist list uh, in Major League Soccer, but he's also a very, very well-rounded striker who connects well uh, with the rest of, I should say winger, with the rest of his starting 11. So I think that he's not only really happy, but he's fully invested in this LAFC team. So I think that it's, I, I, I'm kind of happy for the guy seeing that. So I don't know. I, that, I, don't know. I, I guess I need like like 30 minutes to talk about Vela. <laughs> but I think no, that's, yeah. my, that, totally that's my. That's my. Yeah. You totally could, and I, I, in that sense of what you're saying, because I completely agree. I think that you're seeing things from Vela that you know. I mean, the fact of the matter is, yeah, you you did not get, you did not see that Vela with the national team. You did not see. Anything from, I mean, Cesar, you and I talked about this a few weeks ago off, you know, off recording and stuff, but he, he did a podcast, you know, a few weeks ago with his former um, LAFC teammate, Benny Philharbor. And you got to listen to it, guys. It's, a, it's, a, it's really, really good. Yeah. yeah, I totally recommend listening to it because you have never heard Vela with that much um, transparency. I Transparency, there you go. Like just so raw and just willing to share everything and anything. And there's that bitter, there's that resentment from fans, but there's also that plea from players. You know, Benny Fellhaber, if you guys have a chance to listen to it, tells him, like, it's a shame that you don't want to play with your national team. Like, he literally says that to him. And so I get that. I get that because there's things you see here from Vela um, in the league that you don't, you wouldn't see anywhere else otherwise that I think is 
cool again for somebody that gets to be you know around him more consistently with the with the games and you know the post conference the uh, press conferences and stuff but you always you do wonder in the back of your head you know what if this talent what if this energy what if this happiness wanted yeah. to be translated to the national team so i totally get it um vela is vela though at the end of the day i will say that um after they won on wednesday in the bank of california stadium there, I wasn't there, unfortunately, because it's a school night, but I did hear that he didn't talk. Like, uh, if you guys haven't seen the videos, you know, he was set to talk at their, you know, LASC has his designated post-game press conference zone for players to go and talk. Um, some teams have it in the locker rooms and things like that, but they have it in a specific place. And he did sit down and began to talk, but then his teammates came in and, you know, they all started cheering because they had won the supporter shield. And then that was it he didn't say anything anymore. I think he might've talked for a minute and a half, maybe two from what I've heard from people, but then he didn't say anything else. And then um, in the locker room too, all the pictures that you saw of all the, all, all the players happy, uh, most of the players were talking in the locker room and he didn't. And I think that there's that Vela that the media kind of gets frustrated by, yeah. um, but then yeah. you see the Vela on the field and you see him being happy with his team and wanting to work hard and saying he wants to, you know, this, these assists and these goals, all of it matters to him because it means that he's helping his team get the goals. Um, it's a very interesting dynamic. It's it's definitely been very interesting. I totally understand the resentment, but I also give him credit for coming and doing what he said he wanted to do with the team. Yeah, well, I think that's a that's a good spot to to end the show. So uh, so oh, that's it. Talk about the LA Galaxy and the excitement. Oh, of sorry, that. sorry. I I you have a few you said, more minutes. I thought you said you had to leave it. It is 5.35. Sorry, you, you gave me a to... chance to talk about MLS Roundup. I'm gonna... All right, all right, all right. I'll get, you know what? So how, how many more minutes? How many more minutes do you, do you think we have here? Let me just finish this little quick segment and then we're done. Okay. All right, all right, all right. Let's do it. All right, go ahead. Continue, sorry. I actually wrote about this earlier today and I, I didn't think about it until I was writing it, but it's a very good point. It's not the Vela takeover that we've seen from Vela with LAFC, but I do think that a huge... Mexican in MLS right now is Ariel Antuna. He we talked about it earlier. You no, know, he he doesn't have as many goals. He only has six goals, but to come in on loan, um, be a regular starter, have his starts with LA Galaxy, kind of make him be noticed for the national team, um, is huge. And uh, he's part of a team alongside Jonathan, alongside Slatan, and a uh, plenty of other players. Um, Efrain Alvarez too, if you want to throw him in there, that have finally got LA Galaxy into the playoffs for the first time since 2016. Um, they kind of blew it for themselves this past weekend against Vancouver. But, and this is, I guess, where I want to end it. The interesting part is we will have a chance, depending on where um, LA Galaxy, more than LAFC, end up in the seedings on Sunday, it's on decision day. Um, we might see an LAFC LA Galaxy game either in the semifinals or in the finals of the Western Conference. You won't see them play off against each other for the MLS Cup, but you can see them face off against each other. And for me, that's amazing. You're going to have, if you count Efrain, if you count Cisniega, you have about five players that are Mexican in LA in the MLS. And I think that that's pretty cool to think about. Let it, let it be known before I, it comes off like I was rude and trying to like cut off Amy there. She told me that she's like five five thirty five. What do you be done? Five thirty five was like two minutes ago. I was we I was couldn't, like not credit like the work that Jonathan and uh, and Tuna did. Like we can go on and on about Villa, but I felt like it was only fair that we give them. We you did give me a chance to talk about MLS. So true, true, true. Uh, any anything else regarding Mage Looks? Should we should we talk about? I mean, should we mention Fabian really quickly? I mean, it looks like he, because I mean, he'll he'll be taking part in the playoffs too. I mean, Phil, no, Philadelphia, yeah. Philadelphia Union are doing quite well. They've they've got a spot secured uh, through the Eastern Conference, but I don't. I think they're still fighting to see if they can have a home field advantage. I'm not entirely sure if they have that secured or not. But Fabi, Fabian's up there too. Yeah, Fabian's up there too. I mean, yeah, he's in the east. He's in the Eastern Conference. But yeah, that was something that I talked about with Adriana last week too. You know, we have a good set of Mexican players that are in it. I know Fabian kind of has his things. I think two game, two matches ago, he was actually, you know, not put on the bench because he missed a team meeting. So there's that. I know there's there's some rumors out there about him possibly going back to Mexico with the Liga Mex. Um, but yeah, Philadelphia and Fabian too are kind of like this not talked about enough team that should be talked about more. Um, so, but yeah, I, I, it's getting exciting. I, regardless of how you feel about the league, it is pretty exciting to see so many players. Um, getting the chance to just face off in the in the postseason 
All right, and now it's time for the NISA corner with Cesar Hernandez. Let me tell you about 1904 FC versus Oakland Roots. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. I'm done with that. Uh, <laughs> that's, actually, that's actually why I couldn't watch uh, the Glasgow Regio because I was getting ready for 1904 FC versus Oakland Roots <laughs> over the weekend. <laughs> Sometimes you're like, you're, like, you're like, what am I doing here? What is, like, is this, is this that, actually is this actually what I should like- be doing? Was it that like what was it like? There was a Mexico game, but you went to go like cover like like a Cholos match, and there was like four of you guys at the Cholos match or something like that. Yeah, yeah. No, I think <laughs> actually, you know what? I will say credit to 1904. I've been I've been having a blast at those games. It's cool. I know it's been a lot of, fun. and I was able to watch actually. I was able to watch the the Glasgow Nacional in the background. But it's cool. I got to like hang out like SDCCU and like it's actually kind of interesting. There's like thousands of San Diegans who care about this like third division team. It's like kind of crazy. But anywho, I I said that as a joke and now I'm actually talking about 1904 realistically. But anywho, uh, I think if if I start talking about third division soccer, that's when it truly shows and highlights that we're we should probably wrap up the pod, right? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Ollie had a game last Saturday. You, should we talk about that? He didn't play. Did he, he score? Oh, great. he. Oh, said it was he... raining, so he didn't want to play. Oof, oof. So, like, so was was that actually, like, was there, like, a game day report? Like, someone wrote up and was just, like, Ollie, like, Lopez was unavailable due to being afraid of the rain or something like that? Or, yeah, like... that was me. That was me. <laughs> As his publicist, I had to, you know, <laughs> just frame it in a positive light. <laughs> As, and then if, is he, wait, did, has he scored yet? No, he almost scored in his first game, but after that, he just doesn't want to play anymore. I don't know what I'm doing wrong. It's all right. okay. This is where we say goodbye. All right, all right. I guess that's it for us. But anywho, all right. Thank you, Amy. Uh, thank you to our listeners for checking out our podcast. Uh, don't forget to give us a rating and review on iTunes. Uh, Amy, any uh, any other final thoughts before we wrap things up? Uh, no, just a Liga Max Femenil is going on right now. Exciting games are happening. America versus Pachuca. Uh, you have Sholos versus Toluca coming up. We won't be able to stream it here, but I mean, we won't be able to broadcast it here, but we'll be able to stream it. So somebody go check that out if you listen to this before the match starts in like an hour and a half. All right. Thanks again, everyone. And we'll see you on the next edition of the Mexican Soccer Show. See you guys later. Goodbye. Bye.